Hello and welcome, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com. Good to see you. Um, and I've got an exciting one for you tonight. This is going to be a fun stream. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those on the East Coast that are mountain challenged. And um, we're going to do the usual, give you the shipping report, which, oh, I better check. Johnny, I didn't check yet to see what it was for the week. I think we were good, though. Anyway, I'll give you a shipping report, and we'll get into uh, where we're at with the warehouse. And I've got a huge, fun update for you. Um, a whole bunch of new fish that we got in. Not, not a whole, whole bunch. Not like a full, big old import or anything, but quite a few new fish to talk about. And we have a cool giveaway, too. So, just got the text from Johnny. It's, as I suspected, another week of no losses. So, the shipping report this week is 100% which means 100% of the fish that we sent arrived alive and seemed to be in good health when they arrived and we haven't heard of any problems from our customers. Now, we rely on our customers' reports to know this, so if you did have a problem with the shipment, if you lost some fish or something, um, you can let us know. You can do that here live in the comments. We don't mind being transparent about that stuff. Or you can send us an email, hello at dancefish.com, if you'd rather talk about it in private. But as far as our customers have reported, no issues since last week's live stream, which is awesome. Love that. That's three weeks in a row, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> um, we are... You know, weather's changing. We are trying our best to make sure we pick the right number of heat packs or no heat packs, the right sizes of heat packs, because the, the weather's varying tremendously around the nation right now, and it seems like we're doing good. We're over 99%. Good. That's, that's where we want to be. We never want to have more than 1% um, losses. In fact, we like it around half a percent. Um, but a few weeks ago, if you'll remember, there were a couple shipments that... Uh, had problems like that. The Corridor's Equus, that's 16. So when 16 fish go down, that's a, that's a big ding on us because we usually don't have hardly anything go down. So, But we're clawed back up. We're over 99% arrive alive and stay alive. So that's awesome. Um, quick warehouse update. For those that don't know, we're building a big fish warehouse, a big new fish store for Dan's Fish. Um, and we're kind of in a holding pattern now. Uh, we're, we need this microbubble remover to get in there before we can make any more progress getting fish moved into the new facility. And um, it's all been engineered and things, all the parts are being, are ordered I believe. So just waiting for the parts to arrive so it can be put together. So that's where we're at on that. Um, the descaling device to keep a lime scale from building up, calcium carbonate from building up in the equipment and things, that has arrived. So. We'll be installing that soon. And we did get the new carbon filter in place. And uh, you can check out Instagram for that. Uh, we've been keeping folks up to date on that on Instagram. So if you're interested in all the little goings-ons at the new Dan's Fish facility, uh, check out our Instagram, which is dans.fish, I believe, on Instagram. I think I probably have Dan's Fish too. But by the, between the time I uh, reserved the domain and uh, finally started using Instagram, I, I forgot my password. So <laughs> something like that. 
Or not, I don't even remember. Okay, now to the fun part. We have, well, something else cool happened this week, which is, um, I was walking by the 100-gallon tank and I saw a tail sticking out of a piece of wood that did not look right. That tank has a bunch of opal spot plecos in it. What's that, the L82? Yeah, L82 plecos in it, which are awesome, by the way. Check them out. Um, and we used to have super whites, L236 super whites, the RB line in there. We haven't had those for a long time, but I was walking, uh, looking at that tank, and I saw a tail sticking out of a piece of wood. I'm like, that doesn't look right. So got the fish out. It was a super white. It was stuck in a hole in a piece of wood. Not stuck. I mean, it could get out, but it had chosen to, you know, make a home it way down in this big piece of wood we have. So that's like a bonus super white that just popped up out of nowhere. So that's awesome. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone was shorted a super white before when we couldn't find the last one. If you were, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, bonus super white. That was pretty cool. So fun week. Any week when you find a bonus L236 super white plecostomus is a good deal because those, uh, those are beautiful fish and they, they sell for a lot of money. So nice to get that little bonus in. Okay. I want to show you, before we get to the giveaway, which is for some awesome panda guppies, I want to show you guys <clears throat> what we have, um, the new fish we got in. And these should all be available right now on dancefish.com. Uh, Random Arms just finished adding them, I believe. The first one is something I'm really, really excited about. Tiny Akara Candidi. This is the black, the dwarf black stripe cichlid. Is and you can see why they've got this big bold black stripe. So they're kind of like an epistogramma. They're they're small, two two and a half inches, little guys. And they have this amazing body shape, cool colors. Um, I really really like them. So we have a nice group of these in. Ours are about an inch right now. They're just starting to show some color, and. Um, not a problem with them. They've been rock solid from the beginning. They're eating really well on frozen foods. We're transitioning them to pellets, but they're pretty picky about it. So if you were to get these, uh, make sure you've, you've got some, some frozen food at least to start them with. They're transitioning. It's just they're, they're not quite there yet. Awesome little fish. This is my first time seeing it in person, and I was really glad we could get some and really glad that they came in in just great shape. Siamese algae eaters, um, the, the best algae eater out there, <laughs> in my opinion. They'll eat hair algae, they'll eat any algae that isn't free-floating, so as long as it's attached to something, and isn't like green spot algae. Green spot algae is too hard for almost any fish to get, but they'll eat blackbeard, they'll eat hair algae, they, they, they love algae. Now they do grow to about four inches, so it's not a fish that you can keep long-term and like a 10-gallon tank, right? They're going to need a bigger tank, but great active algae eater. And these are the real ones. Um, this is a this is worth looking at. This picture right here. So this shows you the silver, uh, the flying fox. See that kind of gold iridescent line up above the lateral line, and the black on the fins. And then compare that to a Siamese algae eater. You don't really have that so much, and there's no black on the fins. The fins are clear. Also, extra barbels on the flying fox. So just, just kind of a, a good picture showing the difference. That's, that's kind of cool that they did that. Okay, 
We have some of these. They're small, so they're not showing the red yet. But these are the Maricapuru um, redback angelfish. And right now, ours look, um, you know, pretty silver. But as they grow and mature, they'll develop the red um, up on the back there. So they're called the redback or sometimes the um, red shoulder. Similar to some of the other um, locations that have the red on them, but this is the Maricapuru uh, location. More pygmy corridors, because everybody likes them. They're just cool little fish. Ours are about half an inch right now. And they're, they're true nanocory. They're not going to get very big. They're cute little, cute little quarries. Do best in big groups, like all quarries almost, except for lineage one. Lineage one quarries can be alone, but most of the others, others including these guys, really should be in large groups. We got some anchor catfish, dwarf anchor catfish. Um, I have some pictures, but they are hard to take pictures of. The camera literally doesn't know where to focus. They're so well, like, camouflaged. It's not like the eyes the camera can't lock in on. There's no, like, nice, smooth, long surfaces for it to lock in on. It's just this really camouflaged, bumpy kind of... It's like a stealth fighter. Where does the radar lock in? Nowhere. That's kind of what the camera's doing when it's trying to take a picture. It's focusing all around it and not getting on it. <laughs> Some yellowtail eels. These I like a lot. Oh, this is a good picture. This, this kind of shows the yellow on the tail. And they range from... This kind of banded pattern. Some of them have that. And then we have some really large ones that look a lot more like, like this. So it seems like the smaller ones have the more banded pattern, like that, and the larger ones don't. Now, one reason I like these is this is not a giant. This has all the, all the fun of the giant eels, but they top out at seven inches. This is very manageable in most people's aquariums. And they're peaceful, they won't bother other fish. Now, if they can fit it in their mouth, of course they're gonna eat it like any fish would. Don't put it with your like little little endler males. But um, if it can't eat it, it's not gonna bother it. They're not aggressive, so. And they're not so reclusive. They do, we have a big clump of java moss in the tank and a bunch of pipes with them. And they do hang out in those but they're out quite a bit, and they're to the point now where we walk by the tank and they don't scurry right back for cover. They wait a few minutes, kind of check us out, and then kind of gradually go back to cover. And when we feed them, when we lift the lid to feed them, they know it's food time and they start coming out. So they're, they are eels, but they're not nearly as reclusive as they could be, and they don't get large. Again, seven inches max. Um, this is the peacock gudgeon. Oh, I, I put goby in there. Oh, I gotta correct that egregious error. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> peacock gudgeon. Ours are about in three quarters of an inch right now. They're just barely showing color. They don't have a lot of color yet, but they're strong as an ox. They're super healthy, um, eating everything, doing great. So they should do really well for you. Black tiger Dario. Um, a cousin to Dario Dario, the scarlet baddest. This is the 
Black Tiger Dario, or sometimes they call them the Pajama Dario. I think because like the half black upper part of the body. I'm not quite sure exactly why. Anyway, super gorgeous fish. Um, like Dario Dario, you're probably going to get all males. We can't select females for you because in my experience, the ones that are females end up coloring up later, like they're subdominant males. Um, so if you get a female, that would be, you know, super, super lucky. But they almost on the Dario species almost always export just males. I'm really excited about these guys. This is Sumo Loach number two. So Sumo Loach number one is Balteata, right? And this one is called CF Balteata because it's similar but a little bit different. It has a lot more patterning and color in the fins uh, than uh, Balteata. Um, it, just like Balteata, it's an active loach, gets about three inches. Um, they do best in big groups. I love the behavior and I, I just love the color. I think that the pattern and the color is amazing. So they're like, so if you have a tank and you're, you're wondering what loach do I get, if you're thinking of coolie loaches, these are another option. And any tank that coolie loaches would do well in, these will also do well in. Um, they're a little more active though. And what I like about them is they're, they don't hide all the time. They're not like a coolie loach where you put them in the tank and you'll only really see them at feeding time. These guys are out all the time searching for food. They're not shy. When we walk by the tank, they come to the front and beg for food. It, they're, they're that kind of thing. So same niche as coolie loaches, but more boisterous, more active, a little thicker bodied. And um, I would get a big group of them. I think they're going to do best in groups. Uh, Pseudomilgill Gertrude, the one we have available now is the aquarium strain. So it's not like, it doesn't have these yellow tips on the fins, like the ones from the Aru do, Aru 2 and Aru 4. It's, um, it's like this, one of these. Still a beautiful fish, or this, there you go. Still a beautiful fish, but without most of the yellow. Chili Rasbor is in an amazing group. These guys came in fat and sassy. Usually, when I get Chili Rasboras in, or any Barara species, I have to take several weeks and nurse them back to health. Not the case this time. These are doing absolutely amazing um, from the get-go. And they're eating everything. Frozen, live, pellets, flakes, they're little pigs. I think they're going to do fantastic for you. And the pictures on the website are of the actual fish we have right now. You'll see how fat and nice they are. No pinched bellies or anything. It was such a relief. Same with these. We got in a big group of uh, blue axle rod eye uh, rasboras. They're really, really pretty nano rasbora for those that don't know them. Often come in in bad shape with badly pinched bellies. Take a long time to nurse back to health. Not this group. They came in in good shape as did the pea puffers. Now with pea puffers, we still deworm them and stuff. They've, they've been through deworming rounds. Um, but again, oftentimes pea puffers come in really badly pinched bellies, very, takes a long time to nurse them back to health. Not this group, this, this shipment was amazing. Uh, the last two weeks, the shipments have been amazing. In fact, the last shipment we got in the entire shipment, there were seven DOAs and no other problems since. 
like all the fish that arrived have been rock solid since. So a couple weeks of, of really good shipments. Basically what we've done is we've been communicating, hang on, I gotta check the, I wanted to check the ISO there. It seemed a little dark. I seem a little dark on camera here. Um, yeah, still a little dark. Hang on, going the wrong way, I think. Yeah, that's good. Okay, hopefully that looks a little better. Um, anyway, we've been working with our one of our suppliers, and we've been giving them temp recording mechanisms and things like that so that um, they can see what's happening in the box when they ship them to us because they were arriving a lot colder than they should have. So we fixed that problem. Now the box is arriving in good temperature. Um, and also they're packing lightly for us. So we have a deal with them where they pack much more lightly when they send fish to us, which means if they would normally put a hundred fish in a certain size bag, for us they only put 50 fish in that bag or 25 fish in that bag. Um, so it's been really nice fixing the temperature issues, working with them to get that fixed and lightly packing um, has made the difference that we're trying to make in the fish industry, right? That, that fish are treated more humanely and, and are, are healthier when they arrive and all that stuff. So I'm really happy to report that the last couple of weeks it's, it's, it's worked really well. And we have several suppliers we're working with like this. Um, for those that don't know, if you're new, our, our mission is to change this industry. That's, that's the big mission. We're not here to like sell fish and make money. Um, although we do need to sell fish to make money so we can complete our mission for sure. But what we're trying to do is make it so that when you receive fish, when a customer receives fish, they arrive alive, well taken care of, handled with love and do well for the customer because they're not stressed out sick messes. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And what we're doing now, we've, we've figured out on our end the procedures and processes to make that happen for the customer. Now what we're doing is working on the back end, on the supply chain, and trying to work out procedures and processes with our suppliers to make it so that on the back end, the same kind of thing is happening for the fish. It's, it's not gonna be quite the same. Um, there were some individually bagged fish in this shipment, but by and large, the industry is not going to do that completely, but we can do things like make sure that they're not crammed in the bag and, and other things that we can do to, to take care of the fish better. So we're working with lots of suppliers to do that. We're still small potatoes though, so there's only a certain number of suppliers that are willing to work with us on that. And those are the ones we tend to kind of buy from, logically. But as we grow and are able to have a little more clout because we're able to order more, you know, and um, become a bigger player in the industry, we'll be able to make a, a much larger change. But we're already kind of seeing it. We're seeing the potential of it, at least. Let's put it that way. So I'm, I'm excited to continue and uh, make the change we want to see. Yeah. Um, if you, real quick, if we go here. Here's all the new fish. You can see them on the website. Um, look at these loaches, they're so cool. And by the way, I took that picture uh, two days ago, a day ago, something like that. These peach Madaka rice fish, I didn't talk about the rice fish, but we do have some rice fish. We have a peach one and we have more of the Miyuki whites. The Miyuki whites are like, they glow. They're super bright, 
iridescent fish. You have this neon uh, dorsal stripe that you can see on this one right here. See how the top's very, very bright? That glows from across the room. And we've got some peach mandaka rice fish as well. These little guys, the black striped dwarf cichlids, just took that picture a couple days ago. Took this picture of the anchor dwarf catfish today. So a lot of these are very current pictures, but that's, uh, that's what we have going on. Yeah. So that's the shilling for the day. Let's get off that now and get to the giveaway. Let's have some fun. So the giveaway for today is for some panda guppies. For those that don't know what this is, I'm sure you do, but if you don't, they're cute little guys, and they stay small. They're, they're one of the smaller guppies, at least the males. And they look like this, like just this really cool panda pattern, if you will. Now, ours don't have the blue. I'm not seeing the blue on ours. Ours seem to be the black. Wait, is this the same picture? Did someone just take this picture? Oh, my gosh. I think someone took this picture and literally, look at this. See that? Now, look at this. I think they literally took that picture and photoshopped it. That is the same fish. That's totally the same fish. This is what ours look like. And then someone took that, put a blue filter on it. <laughs> and called them, wait, what's that? Blue Panda Dumbo Endler Guppies. <laughs> Jeez, this industry, man, I tell you, it's funky. Anyway. They're really cool little fish. Um, and if you would like to win some, we'll, we'll be giving away a pair of these. Then all you have to do is enter hashtag panda in the chat, hashtag P-A-N-D-A. -A. No spaces, capitalization does not matter. Hashtag P-A-N-D-A. -A. Everyone's like, yeah, Dan, we can spell panda. You can stop now. <laughs> and... Uh, And you'll be entered to win, and we'll draw that in a little bit. Um, all right, that's what's going on on our neck of the woods. Let's find out what's going on with you guys. If you have a question or comment for me, um, once all these panda hashtags are done, because uh, otherwise it'll get pushed up to the top so far I won't be able to see it, then go ahead and leave your question and or, and or comment, and we can chat about fish. It'll be a good time. Hey, I missed a super chat. Kelly Foreman, those little loaches are cool. Do you think they will murder murder snails? I haven't tried it yet, but yeah, I do. They're they're of the snail murdering genus. And by the way, something about these guys, I I um and thanks Kelly for the super chat, much appreciated. Never required, but it does make the wife super happy when money falls out of the computer screen. Um, something that I learned about these sumo loaches is they're very very adaptable. So. For half the year, let's say, during the wet season, they live in um, hill streams, torrential hill streams, rapids, almost like waterfall-esque type conditions. The same place you would find um, Soelia lineolata, gastromyzon and pseudogastromyzons, you know, those, those flat UFO miniature stingray hill stream type loaches, same kind of, same kind of environment. But they're a little more adaptable because during the dry season, they'll be found in these little isolated pools. So you get the rainy season, everything gets all wet, and then during the dry season, things dry up, and you end up with all these little isolated pools. So they can go off and live in these pretty stagnant, isolated pools during the dry season. 
so they can live in high oxygen, really clean, high flow, high, just really think of like like a, the ideal trout stream with rapid flow and rapids everywhere and a waterfall up in the distance. Like they can live there, but they got can also live, you know, in the pond on the side of the road. So really adaptable, cool little fish. All right, I'm going to shut down all these pitchers that I had open because that's, that's a lot of windows to have open for my poor little system to try to keep up with. All right, there we are. Now we're back. Let's see here. Uh, Random Arms, did I miss another super chat? Hopefully not. Nope. Okay, good. Good, good. I always feel bad when people throw money at me and I don't even say thanks. <laughs> um, before we get into the questions and comments, I want to thank my moderators for being here. Thanks so much, everybody. Appreciate you being here and doing what you do. Paul Soltero, are you selling fish out of the warehouse yet? No. Um, so, Paul, we took some test fish over to the warehouse, and for a while everyone did okay, but eventually it was evident that the micro bubbles were annoying the fish. So, we took the fish back out of the warehouse, and we only took a couple times kinds over. We took some horned gara, and a little later we took some severums over. And, um... Once it became evident that the micro bubbles in the water were annoying them, we removed them and they're back here now. So what we've done, what we're doing in the meantime is designing and building a micro bubble eliminator. So it's this big mechanism that um, yeah, removes tiny little bubbles from the water. And that's been engineered, it's all designed. We are, uh, the parts have been ordered <clears throat> as soon as the parts get here then we'll be installing that. And as soon as that's installed, then we can put fish in the system. So, yep, and until we find the next hiccup. Like, this is a big science experiment, but I think that's the only hiccup, really, um, that we're going to run into. Fish Ion Tank Dicks. Will you get hovering zebra loaches? Oh, I want to. Are you talking about those little... Um, Loaches that look like rosy loaches, but have the zebra stripes. Let's see. I think you are. Yeah, these guys. I, I want to get them, yes. Now, that being said, I don't see them around very often, or I would have brought them in already. Um, I saw them in Mike Monji's fish room, I believe. Um, I did a tour of his fish room. He's like the barbs I printed whisperer. And he had some that, that looked like this. But um, I have not yet found where to get them. So I don't have any yet. But as soon as I find them, I'll definitely try if they're from a reputable supplier. Sure. Chonsworth, I'm putting together 150-gallon river hillstream setup. Any stocking ideas for fish that like lots of flow? Um, yeah, a lot. So... Hillstream loaches, of course. Um, sumo loaches, we were just talking about those. Darters, love that stuff. Native darters. Orange throat darters are spectacular. A lot of the native shiners like that stuff. Uh, really high flow. Uh, rainbow shiners, crimson shiners, um, war paint shiners, fiery black shiners. Pick your shiner. Most of them like good flow. And if you don't know the Fiery Black Shiner, let me show you this. 
This is one of my absolute favorite favorite native fish. Look at these guys. And they, they really do look that cool. And they are just a, a gorgeous fish. This one's not coming into focus very well. Here you go. And when the males are in breeding condition, they get these tubercles on the head. Bumps on the head. Let's see. Can we see? You can kind of see it, I guess. But anyway, one of my favorites. Absolutely love that fish. This is another one that I really like. Crimson Shiner. Um, I'm not finding any good pictures of it. Rainbow Shiners are fantastic. Or was it Scarlet? Maybe it's the Scarlet Shiner. I get them confused. There you go. Scarlet Shiner. Yeah. Really pretty fish. I like those guys a lot. Um, depending on what kind of money you want to spend, if you want to look at some, some less expensive fish, a lot of the uh, Danios will do well in that. Um, and there's some expensive Danios too, actually. There's really common ones and really rare ones. White Cloud Minnows do well in flow. Um, Pandagara do well in flow. Panda loaches do well in flow. So I can I can kind of feel your bottom layer and your middle layer. What I don't know of is any like surface fish that really likes flow, like a true top dwelling stick up there, like a hatchet fish type that likes really high flow. I, I meant to say high flow. I said low flow before. Um, that I don't know. Um, hill trouts are amazing. Um, let's see here. Hill trouts and their relatives like very high flow. These guys, they can take a lot of flow, and they're absolutely deliciously gorgeous and super active. Um, a lot of the gobies, um, let's say your um, stiffidons, your sicyopus, your sicyopterus, your lentipus, like high flow. And that ought to get you started. Hopefully that's a good start for you, um, Chonsworth. And that sounds amazing, 150-gallon river tank. Whew. That sounds really cool. Crown, tail, half moon. Do you know of websites that give breeding information databases for live bearers, especially in domestic color crosses and fin types? Uh, Crown, tail, if you haven't done it already, it sounds like it would be a good idea to join up with the... Um, American Live Bearer Association, the ALA, and there you can find all kinds of information. Um, they have all kinds of public, like years and years of publications on, on live bearers. They have a website, and they have a whole bunch of live bearer geeks that can take you under their wing and walk you through it. But I don't know of like a website that does that specifically, although I, I know there's some I've stumbled across in the past. But yeah, I can't remember who they are right now. But there are some out there. I'm just not familiar with who they are. Kids, aquatics, and exotics. Thank you so much for the pippy long stocking cheerleader, Bob. Appreciate it, and appreciate you being here and being a mod. Thanks, thanks to the cod father. <laughs> Let's see. I didn't skip anyone, did I? Nope. Okay. Oh, we just got on the Panda Express here. Hashtag Panda, hashtag Panda, hashtag Panda. How are we doing in there? Ah, 106 people. That's that's good. That's a that's a decent turnout for the 
and the guppies. Misfit reptiles and aquatics. I got those red hummingbird tetras. All six are doing really well. Such a fascinating species. Thanks again. Hey, you're welcome. I'm glad you could get them. Um, that was just fun all around. Uh, seeing that you got, you know, a gift certificate and then were able to get the tetras. I hope you really enjoy them. Yeah, aren't they unique? There's nothing quite like them. For those that don't know what we're talking about, it's a odontocaracidium species. So it's like a hummingbird tetra, but uh, but minute little nano tetra, nano hummingbird tetra. Oh, chat's jumping. Hang on, chat's jumping hard. Okay, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. There we are. A train. I have three fish that I moved into a cord. Oh, quarantine take, I, I assume. Q-U-A-R. They are struggling to swim and are either stuck floating or laying on the bottom of the tank. They came from two tanks that had 30 nitrates. I'm sorry to hear that, A-Train. Um, the reality of fish medicine is that a lot of what we're looking at is symptoms that have multiple causes and it's impossible to just look at the fish and, and pin down what's doing it. So medicating is kind of a guessing game for, for a lot of things. Now, if you're fortunate enough to have an aquatic vet close to you, that is an option. But the truth is a lot of times the aquatic vets can't narrow it down either. I, I've worked with aquatic vets quite a bit and sometimes they can help you, sometimes they can't. So um, I hope they pull through Good on you for getting them in a quarantine tank. My, my best advice that is good for any situation, so I don't have to worry about it being wrong, is low stress on the fish, clean water, and salt in the water. Five grams per liter, five to eight grams per liter. So that's five to eight parts per thousand, uh, parts per thousand, yeah. Um, I always use five grams per liter and it works pretty well. Um, that will help relieve osmotic stress from the fish and it's kind of act as a tonic and if you can keep them kind of you know no bright lights on the tank lots of hiding places or shelters keep it you know nice and low stress for them um, now beyond that I don't know what to recommend I wish I could help you more because I don't know what's what would be causing that uh, be really hard to pinpoint that yeah, but my best to you a train that's that's always a bummer um, when fish struggle it's no fun watching your pet struggle Orange cones. Thoughts on housing a group of anchor catfish with spotted headstanders. I haven't thought about it till now, orange cones, although I should have in anticipation for this question. <laughs> Knowing orange cones. Um, I think you would be okay. I'd have a plan B ready, but I think you would be okay. Because the anchor catfish are really, really armored and they're gonna like hunker down during the daylight. So I doubt the headstanders will be able to bother them. Uh, maybe have some little caves or driftwood in there for them to hide under, things like that. Um, I think you'd be okay. That being said, headstanders are very inquisitive. What I'm worried about is the eyes of the dwarf anchor catfish. Because they kind of find a spot and like to just hunker down in it and hang out. And if they're there just chilling, I wonder if a headstander would pick at their eyes. That's the only thing I don't know, Orange Cones. Chonsworth, oh, already got that one about the awesome river tank. 
Toad Tamer, good to see you. Um, I feel like it's been a minute. I have some Uchi Creek rainbows that I'm trying to breed, and the males will display every morning, and the females will go along until they just stop. Anything I can do. Well, do you have a spawning mop in the tank? And if you do, you might not be seeing the females go through with it, but they might be going through with it when you're, you're not around. Um, I'd be really surprised if you have spawning mops in there and everyone's well fed and everyone's sexually mature if they aren't laying a few eggs a day. So here's one thing about rainbow fish is they're continuous spawners. So they're not like barbs or tetras or other, other fish which will go and just lay a whole bunch of eggs at once. In those cases, those egg scatterer cases, you put a male or two males and a female together and when they do go to spawn, they go and they spawn many eggs within a couple hours or so, right? So you'll see a lot of eggs being scattered in a short period of time. But rainbow fish, being continuous spawners, will only lay a few eggs a day. So that female, over the course of a day, might lay only 10 eggs. So a lot of the time, the male's displaying for and flash, and she's like, oh, that looks cool, and she goes over, but she ain't ready to lay an egg yet. So I think it's pretty normal uh, to see that. that A lot of displaying and then a lot of letdown if you're there watching with rainbow fish. And, and other continuous spawners. Um, so, but if you have a mop in there and you leave it for a couple days and pull it, you might be surprised to find there's eggs in there even though you didn't see the act itself. You just saw the, uh, the lead up. <laughs> so I, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts, Toad Tamer. If everyone's sexually active, um, and health, sexually active, <laughs> sexually mature and healthy, then they're probably also going to be sexually active. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like the redundant logic. If everyone's sexually active, they should be having eggs, right? <laughs> Duh. Oh boy. Okay, scrolling up because chat did the jumpy jumps again, and I'm almost there, almost there. Okay, see one from Slow Go. I have 50 to 70 bronze Corridors babies in a 10-gallon tank. Really cool. I think we're talking about Corridors Aeneas. It's a well-seasoned, high-flow, algae-covered tank. I intend to take them to an LFS. They will have to... That... Will I have to move them before ready? Oh, yeah. In a 10-gallon tank, there's no way I don't think you're going to be able to raise that many um, corridors to size um, because you're going to experience a crash. Now, if it's a constant flow-through system and the tank's getting changed over 20 times a day or something like that, yeah, maybe. But um, And I'm talking about flow-through with fresh water, not filtered water. So, but that's probably not the case. So, no. In a 10-gallon tank, what will happen? You see this with any group of fish when he tries to try to raise too many fish in too confined a space. You'll see with guppies, killies, quarries, whatever. Um, everyone will go in along. Everything's great. And then one day you'll come in and there'll be big problems real quickly. Just because the tank can no longer handle the biomass because the fish have grown to a point where there's so much biomass, the tank just goes into a crash. So, no, you're going to need to separate them. Um, 
I'm imagining you'll sell them to the pet store at about an inch in size. And I don't think you're fitting 60 to 70 inch long corridors in a 10 gallon tank and having them be healthy and having the, uh, in the tank itself be a balanced system. You're gonna need to separate them out and, um, into several tanks or into a much larger tank. Basically, here's the challenge with baby fish. You have to keep food in front of them all the time and you have to keep their water clean. Now, quarries eat a ton. So the idea of keeping that many quarries um, well-fed and their water clean in that size tank as they grow, I, I, I don't think that's something that's going to probably pan out. Jeff's Aquatics. Hey, Dan, what's your favorite Pleco? Oh, it's a good question. Right now, it's the L397 Allen Keir Plecos. They're really cool. L397 Pleco. Let me show you these. So I've seen lots and lots of zebra-type Plecos in my day. But what I love about these is they're a zebra Pleco with bright orange. They really are super pretty. We have a whole bunch of super healthy ones right now, and I, I love watching them. Um, we have a big group in a, in, well, we have them in a couple tanks, and they're, they're like plecos, right? They're not out a ton during the day, but they're comfortable enough that they're out frequently enough that I get to see them quite often, so, so it's pretty cool. But yeah, these guys are just absolutely stunning. Um, and they're, they're not terribly expensive, um, and they're a really handsome fish. Yeah, I'd say these are the ones that I keep stopping at most of the time. Now, in all fairness, next month there'll be a different Pleco that I'm watching most of the time. Like, it, it changes all the time for me. <laughs> it, with, with Plecos and lots of other fish... They might be fish that I've, I've seen before and things, but each batch is different, and each tank they're in is different, right? There's So every now and then you get a group of fish in a tank, and for some reason, in that tank, they're more outgoing. They're less shy. They behave a little differently. So for me, it's not so much that, oh, that fish is awesome, although that fish is awesome. It's like, hey, something magical happened in the setup this time, and now I can really enjoy the fish. I've never seen them behave quite that outgoing before. Or, oh, I've never seen them um, spar in that way before. Like, there's all these different things that happen to, that, that always keep me interested. Lady Diane, I have a tank of your Santa Maria Endlers. They're worse than rabbits. They sure are. <laughs> are these fish both liar tail and spade tails? So, okay, I have to... Earlier this week I called a plume tail a spade tail so first let's all get our tails right um, spade tail let's look at a platy what is a spade tail okay hang on spade tail guppy the reason I went with platy is because I called a plume tail platy a, a spade tail earlier and, uh, <laughs> whoops. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the spade tails have kind of this 
this point to it. Like a spade! Imagine that. And then what was the other question? Spade tails and liar tails. Oh. Earlier. Yeah, I know those things. Yeah, so it's like a harp, right? You could put strings down it, like a lyre from ancient Greece. Um, and let's look at Santa Maria's. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, to me, this doesn't look quite like a spade. It looks like a standard tail, just that the bright orange goes on the... Uh, top and bottom portion of it and extends. So it looks kind of like a liar tail, but it's not. It's a, a standard tail. Okay, here's a picture of ours. Yeah, standard tail. A little bit of a liar, I guess. It's extending a tad, but it's just clear in the middle and colored on the top and bottom edge. So, yeah. Standard tail, which deceives the eye, I guess. I mean, it's extending a little more, but if it was a liar tail, it would be extending a ton. Now, that being said, um, Lady Diane, there was a time when I was introducing um, liar tail, or I think we called it swallow tail. What's that? What's a swallow tail guppy? Swallow tail guppy. Oh, no. Oh, that's hideous. Never mind. I don't, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> Just out of control. It's like trying to be a crown tail betta, but failing miserably. No, no, not for me. No, just looks like a mess. No, um, we were, we were introducing um, a long streamer on the top and bottom, so like a, a leer tail or liar tail, into the Endler line. So you may have got some Lady Diane that that did have that in their genes. Um, and I don't remember if those had a spade in the tail as well or not. It's been a while since I've seen that particular project. I still have some Santa Maria Endlers, but none with the trying to do the liar tail thing. Is it liar or leer? I, I've, I've heard it both ways my whole life, so I guess it's both. Liar leer. Gardenmatic81, throwing down a super chat. Thank you so much. Always appreciated, never required. But we're a little startup, so every bit helps. Much appreciated. Thanks for the healthy fish. Doing great after a year so far. That is exactly why Dance Fish exists. That's awesome. So we're trying to change that narrative, right? Um, for those that don't know, we started this company because I was tired of my friends finding out I liked fish. I've been keeping fish for years. They'd find out I liked fish, and the comment was almost always the same. It was some variation of, oh, yeah, I used to have fish, but they all died, so I threw away the tank. Or, yeah, I used to have fish, but they all died, so I put the tank on Craigslist, or I threw it in the garage, or something like that. But the common thread was, oh, yeah, I tried fish, but they all died. And so the entire reason we started this company was try to find a way to get fish to customers that would thrive for them. So when I hear things like this, thanks for the fish, they're doing great after a year, that is like goal accomplished, at least in this case. It's a long-term goal, it's a large mission, but um, a year they're still doing well, that's exactly what we're trying to do, is set customers up with fish which will thrive for them. So that's awesome to hear that. Ethan Foster, hey Dan, wanting to design a fry rack for rainbows and rare plecos. Not a huge fan of the YouTube Beans Fish Room designs with cheap tubs. Any ideas or tips Want it to be robust, long-lasting, look good, and hold a ton of fry. 
Um, so I had one of these. Do I have a picture of that? What I did, Ethan, is I, I had a rack with 35 and a half gallon aquariums on it, all facing endwise, matten filters in the back, and a hole drilled in the tank back behind the matten filter with a standpipe in it. So it was an auto water change system, just like the rest of my facility. It would do auto water changes on a, a, on a timer. So um, instead of the plastic tubs, we used five and a half gallon tanks. Now, just to, so you know, those five and a half gallon tanks, the, the glass is so thin on them that they're difficult to drill. And the reason is you have to put a little pressure on the glass when you're drilling them. And if you put a little too much, the glass pane will bend slightly. You won't know it, but it'll bend slightly. And when the diamond hole saw punches through, when it snaps back, glass unbends suddenly, it'll crack. So drilling those tanks is tricky. You have to be super patient, um, go really slow, put hardly any pressure on it. But once you've drilled them, they're an amazing fly, uh, fry rack system. So, and you can use different heights of standpipe. So when the fry are really young, let's say you did a spawn of bettas. I, I know we're not talking about bettas, but let's say you did. Then you only want an inch or two of water in there so the bettas can get up to the surface easily. Um, you can put a very short standpipe in there. Um, once, as they grow, you can put larger standpipes in there. So it's a pretty flexible system. The Hamburg Matten filter on the back um, is a lot of biological filtration and keeps any fry from going back and getting sucked into the standpipe, even tiny, tiny fry. So that's what we did. Um, that worked pretty well for us. Oh. I've got lots of videos. Some of them show it but I, I'm having trouble thinking of one right off the bat that I could like pull up and show you immediately, but they're on the channel um, somewhere back in the day. It's been a couple years since I've used them. Uh, as we expanded the store, my breeding space shrunk and shrunk, right? As I needed to keep up with demand from the customers, um, it was harder and harder to, to have space to breed the fish, so. <laughs> So anyway, Ethan Foster, I, I'm laughing because I just saw the, the male version of Pippi Longstocking jumping up and down at me there. <laughs> um, but Ethan, I, I thought that the kind of five and a half gallon tanks, you could probably do it two and a half gallons as well. Um, but I thought that that was like a good uh, way to do that. It was a little more stable and, and didn't look, you know, you didn't have flimsy tubs. No offense to flimsy tubs. I mean, they work well in lots of situations too. Kids Aquatics and Exotics throwing down the male version of Pippi Longstocking. Thank you, Bob. Always appreciated. And, and way to be inclusive. <laughs> we got the girl and the guy. <laughs> Lady Diane, thanks, Dan. Hey, you're welcome. And thanks for the super chat. Always appreciated. It's never required, but it helps and I appreciate it. And hopefully, Lady Diane, um, hopefully I could I clear that up for you a little. I, I, know, I know I didn't completely. I just can't remember exactly... Uh, what the tails on the swallow tails look like. They were kind of variable because we were just starting to try to get swallow tail, not swallow tails, sorry, liar tails um, on those Santa Maria's. Richard Reynolds, can you have more than one of those eels in a larger tank, 55 gallons plus? Oh, yes. Um, I have 
oh, several of them in a 40-gallon breeder. They are not aggressive to each other. They seem to be just fine in groups. So I don't think you're going to have a problem. In a 40 breeder, I think I have like 15 or 18 of them right now, which I know is a big bio load, but we change 40% of that water every day. So, you know, they're fine. And they don't mind hanging out together. They dogpile on top of each other. I haven't seen any aggression, and I haven't, in my research for that species, I haven't read about any aggression. Now, if someone here has kept the eels and... and um, this is my first time with them, so I'm still new to them. Let's, let's be upfront about that. So if anyone else has kept those eels and has any cautionary tales, let us know. But I haven't run across anything about aggression. They seem to be quite peaceful and happy together. So Richard, yeah, I think you could get a good-sized group in there. Again, they're only going to grow to 7 inches. Jan P, does bacterial, beneficial bacteria like Fritzzyme need refrigeration once opened? GMP, I can't answer that because I've never used Fritzheim. The only beneficial bacteria product I've used is the one from Dr. Tim's. Um, and I'm not trying to promote it. I don't, I'm not affiliated with Dr. Tim. I don't have, um, you know, I, I, any stake. I don't get a kickback, nothing like that. But they did help me out in a hard time. So I used to do discus. And there was once when I had a whole bunch of tanks cycled up for a new batch of discus that were being imported. A few days before the um, import came, I can't remember how, but I killed the cycle in all the tanks. Um, I think it was like 3 a.m. and I was super tired and put in like tablespoons of ammonia instead of teaspoons, something like that. I, I just did a dumb, I'm super tired and overworked kind of error. And, and killed the cycle. And you can do that, by the way. You can put too much ammonia in the tanks and, and kill the bacteria that like ammonia if they get too much. So anyway, I was in a pickle. I had um, a whole bunch of discus, like a lot of discus, boxes and boxes of discus arriving in a few days, and I didn't have any cycled tanks to put them in, and discus will absolutely melt under ammonia and nitrite. So big problem. So I didn't know what to do. Um, I researched um, products and came across Dr. Tim's and his was convincing. Um, he went to the same university I did. He went to UC Santa Barbara, shout out. And um, I know his department. I know the people he studied under um, and I know their rigor. I used to do a little consulting for, for that area with the fish stuff. Um, and I read, he wrote a, he did a doctoral dissertation on it, made sense. And so I bought his product and I will say it worked. It had those tangles up and cycled instantly and I didn't lose discus. Like, and I had boxes and boxes and boxes of discus. So that is the only experience I have with a um, bottled bacteria. And it was Dr. Tim's, let's see. Dr. Tim's Bacteria Starter. What, what are they calling it? Um, where is his website? Dr. Tim's Aquatics. One and only nitrifying bacteria. Um, okay. So I'm going to post this link for you. Again, I'm not getting a kickback. There's no agreement. I don't get any benefit out of this. And maybe Fritzheim works just fine. Uh, maybe the other ones work just fine. I don't know. Dr. Tim's is the only one I've used. 
I just happened to be in a pinch and it worked. Okay, Upper Aquatics. Thoughts on mixing headstanders and angels? I think that would be fine. Yeah, I think headstanders and angels would get along just fine. In fact, have I tried that? I can't remember if I've tried that or not, so, so keep in mind that I'm just going off how I think they would behave if they were mixed. But I would try that. Yeah. It's always good to have a plan B, you know, when you're trying something new, just in case. But I would try that. Okay, hang on, I am scrolling up because chat jumped. Looking for the next one, here we go. Nope, still gotta go a little further. <laughs> some dude. <laughs> hey, some dude, I'm scrolling up, I'll, I'll get to you in a minute. Um, I just, your username popped out at me because that's hilarious. Okay, I can only go up as far as Jessica Carrasco's question. So I'll get to that one. If you had one up above that, that got cut off and I can no longer see, um, feel free to list it down below again. But Jessica Carrasco says, are red-tailed sharks as mean as they say, I have one small and a 55 with my tiger barbs and rams. Yeah, I think they're as mean. Red-tailed sharks are, are mean, yes. Now, will they hang with tiger barbs? Tiger barbs might hang with them, I'm not quite sure. Um, but if you take a semi-aggressive fish like a red-tailed shark and mix it with other semi-aggressive fish, sometimes it works out wonderfully. I haven't tried that exact uh, combo. The rams, uh, they might have trouble after some time. Now, maybe it'll work out perfectly, but if that was my tank and I had a bunch of tiger barbs in it, I'd probably take the rams out and put them in a calmer tank. David W., what is the best way to transport fish when moving fairly short distance? Buckets, bags, something else. I have about a dozen tanks to break down, mostly quarry shrimp and plecos. David, if you can hang out one second, I'll show you the perfect container for moving fish. Uh, just one. Actually, do you mind? No, I'll get it. Hang on. There's a delay. Thanks to Random Arms for covering for me. I was going to ask Random Arms to go get it, but there's a delay, so he would not have heard that for a while. Okay, I learned this from Candy Overholes. When Candy Overholes moved to Seattle to work for the aquarium co-op, well, she was already working for him, but bagatelles. Um, she brought all her fish down to me to ship to her there to get them there, right? So I shipped all Candy's fish from here to Seattle to help her with the move. She brought the fish down to me from Billings, which is a couple hours away, in this. It's a bucket, but it's not any old bucket. This bucket has a, a top with a screw top on it and a gasket to seal. So you can actually take this screw top, screw it right in, get a nice tight seal. Your fish aren't going to get out of there. If it happens to fall over in the back of your car, it's probably going to be more or less waterproof. Um, the fish aren't going to fall out on your, you know, upholstery in your car and die and ruin your upholstery. This thing's awesome. I don't think it would be very hard at all to drill a hole right here, just big enough for an airline, and put an airline in there with, um, with a uh, battery-powered uh, air pump, 
to keep air going in the bucket the whole time. This thing is what I would recommend. Fill it about, you know, a third of the way with water. Have the rest just be air and, and have an air stone in there. On a battery powered air pump or a USB air pump or one that you can plug into your cigarette lighter or, or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But that I thought was awesome. Now, Greg Sage has a method that he used to use when he'd go to shows and things where he would take a whole bunch of stacking garbage cans that he would get real cheap. And the stacking garbage cans, when they were stacked, would have, you know, I don't know, a good distance between the bottom of one and the bottom of the one stacked into it. And so he would put a couple inches of water in there put fish in there, stack a garbage can, put a couple of inches water in there, put fish in there, stack another garbage can. So you get this big stack of garbage cans um, in his you know, van or whatever and move them in a pretty compact form. Now you might need to bungee those to the wall or something so they don't fall over or whatever, but that's, a, that's another method. If you can find some cheap garbage cans that stack nicely and have enough room between them, you have water and a layer of air. I don't know if you would be able to um, have an air stone in there for that but and let's see here fairly short distance so you probably don't need an air stone one thing I would do I, I would really suggest this anytime you're moving fish is um, I would treat them like I was shipping them meaning I would fast them I'd get all the poop out of their intestines right and I'd make sure the water is really clean that they're being transported in. Because you never know when you're going to get a flat tire or your air conditioning is going to go out and that they're going to get hotter than you thought or any of these things, right? So how do you do that? Well, I take all the fish. Okay, so I take a big container of that I could put a bunch of water in. Say like, I don't know, a 40-gallon trash can that's clean. Something like that. I put in um, five grams of salt per liter. That's uh, salt really helps fish in stressful situations. Every fish I ship has five grams of salt per liter in it, five parts per thousand. Um, and it doesn't need to be grams because depending on the granule size, you can't really do it by volume. If you have table salt, you can fit more of that in a teaspoon than you can a teaspoon of rock salt or melt salt, right? So you kind of have to do it by grams. So I dissolve five grams of salt per liter into that. In a 40 gallon tank, you can use a spectrometer as well. In a 40 gallon tank, that's gonna be probably somewhere between two to three cups if you're using like water softener salt crystals. Sodium chloride, not potassium, or what, whatever the other ones are, just pure sodium chloride, right? Anyway, um, I would fill that with water, I'd put the salt in, I'd get a um, air stone in there or a pump and let that go for 12 hours, 24 hours. Gas off the water, dissolve everything, uh, make it stable, make sure if it's gonna have a pH swing, it happens already, all that. So the water's now stable, gassed off, and salted, and oxygenated. I would take that water, put it in all the buckets, take my fish the night before I need to move them, put them in the buckets. The next day, I would use the same water clean water and do 100% water change in those buckets because those fish are going to poop overnight. Now you've cleaned out their intestines, 
more or less, you know, you know, a pleco might be packing a little snack <laughs> that'll come out later, um, but more or less you've cleaned out their intestines, and um, they have nice, clean, salted, gassed off, stable water for the move. So that's how I would do it. Um, now, if you're just going, you know, five minutes down the road, don't worry about that. But it, a fairly short distance, that's that's relative. If it's a few hours, maybe it's three hours. It might be worth doing that in case you get a flat tire or whatever, or um, or they need a little more time sitting there before you can get the tank set up and get them in there. I, I don't know what the situation is, but those are my thoughts about that. Hope that helps, David W. Alexander Engelhart is in the house. Alexander, thanks for being here. I'm late. Well, you've paid the late fine, so we forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being here alexander thanks for the super chat always appreciated and i it's hard to make that sound sincere every time you and the other regulars um you know do super chats but please just know you and the other regulars um i'm thinking you kelly i'm thinking you bob um that uh that it's most appreciated and most sincerely meant Or David W., if you're having a real hard time and you've got like, you know, 50 of each of those species you're trying to move, you can just send them to me. I'll sell them for you. Ira Nelson, is parrot feathers too big for a 90-gallon? I think, Ira, you're talking about parrot cichlids? Is this what we're talking about? If this is what you're talking about, I think you could get a certain number in a 90 gallon. Just just depends on, I mean, some get bigger than others. They're a hybrid, um, so there's a lot of variance in them. But yeah, I think a 90 gallon would be fine. Now that being said, I don't know that I've ever seen one of these full, full size. How big? Well, the spruce thinks a minimum tank size is 30 gallons for a parasiglid. Um, who is this? Size. Average size. Well, average. I I'm, I'm, I'm imagine they're talking about average adult size. Six to seven inches. Like, I, I think you'd be fine. Yeah. But I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on, on parasiglids. Everybody's saying it's a plant. Oh! Parrot feathers is a plant? <laughs> you asked the wrong guy. I know nothing about plants. Sorry. Well, what is parrot feathers? Now I have to see this. All right, let's go on a field trip. Quick field trip together. Parrot feathers plant. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know nothing about it, but... Looks kind of cool. Oh, I have seen these. I think I've seen these in ponds. This is more like a bog plant. Likes to grow immersed. Um, but anyway, Ira, I don't know. Sorry for the confusion. Sam says, what are the hardiest fish you have ever kept? That's got to be Morgunda cingulata. Random Arms, what would you say? What's the hardiest fish that you've seen here? While we're waiting for Random Arms' answer, he'll hear this in a minute. We're on a delay here. Um, the reason I say that 
is they can take a wide range of parameters. They can take oxygen poor water, not the best form, but they can do it. Um, and I've literally had them jump out of a tank, found them the next morning. I thought they were done. They were like, you know, fairly dry and crusty. Put them in some water and they revived. Like, now that doesn't happen a lot. I don't want to give the impression that I'm always, you know, letting fish jump out and, and hurting them. But every now and then, um, well, I probably only did it once with them and learned my lesson. But, you know, if you forget to put the lid back on when you feed or something, usually it's no big deal. With the cingulata, it's a big deal. The banded gudgeons, Magurnda cingulata, they like to jump. But, yeah, anything that can be like a dried up cigar on the floor and then come back to life, in my book, that's pretty hardy. I don't know what Random Arms thinks. Um, oh, yeah, I do. Hang on. Convict cichlid. That's a good one. Yeah. Now, we don't have any convict cichlids right now, but we have kept them. And Random Arms and I, when we were kids, um, we had some convict cichlids. And they bred for us. Surprise, surprise. Right? Convict cichlids will do that. Well, all we had was a 20-gallon, and we were just little kids. And we took the parents out. Maybe we even left them in. But anyway, the whole spawn um, survived because the convict cichlids are super hardy and grew up. And we had we had 82-inch convict cichlids in a 20-gallon aquarium. So I know, I know we talked to the person with the corridors Aeneas, the bronze quarries, and we're like, I don't know about 60 to 70 to an inch in a 10-gallon tank. I get it. Um, but in this case... Somehow, they were hardy enough that, yeah, those things were bulletproof. Now, keep in mind, we were very little wee ones. We were kids. Okay, We, we don't do things like that anymore. We're responsible pet keepers now. Plus, things have changed, you know, in the last, geez, 43 years. Uh. <laughs> Leo 209 Aquatics. How good are those Leopolda angelfish? Are they aggressive? They're awesome. They do spar quite a lot, but you won't see a lot of fin damage. So I wouldn't say they're a lot more aggressive than other angelfish, um, but they definitely do spar a lot and display a lot. Um, I Now, keep in mind, I've got a good-sized group in each tank. I have two tanks of them and a good-sized group in each one. So I'm not sure if they got down to, like, two, if there would be more aggression or if there would be a problem. But so far, 20 fish in a tank, um, there's definitely a lot of displaying and sparring but no real damage so that's the best I can tell you because this is my first time with them I've been looking for that fish forever hey the fox cat is back punching me in the face Chattanooga Ed I am see glad to see you here alive and participating just uh, glad you're here brother yeah thanks for the super chat good to see you hope you're doing really well Bunny Viper, any ideas if you might get archers in again? Yes, yes I will. I need more small scale, but would also buy clouded. Yes, I want to get both in, um, Bunny Viper. Same story as last time you asked. Just, you know, got to get through this transition and and try to find a good supplier of them. Leo 209 Aquatics, I got two L397s. Need a female. Both are male. Oh, yeah, does happen. Uh, unfortunately, mine are too small to really sex, so I couldn't help you out with that. I wish I could. 
How big will the 397s get? Asked the Gumpy, Guppy Ranch. The Gumpy? Guppy Ranch? The Gumpy Ranch. <laughs> Sorry. I want to say four inches. L397 Pleco Planet Catfish. Okay, let's go to Planet Catfish together. That doesn't look right. That does not look like the right fish. Oh, that was 379. <laughs> that would explain it. I was like, what? Uh, Planet Catfish. Uh, rough. There we go. 397. That's the images. Where's the fish? There it is. 4.3 inches. Yeah, 4 inches, give or take. So they're, they're like a hypencistrus type as far as size. And they aren't. They're a pinocolis, but same size. Yeah, 4 inches. And a tad. Some dude. Where do you think I could get Rivulus Christinae? Um, you would need to check with the American Killifish Association. Rivulus particularly are difficult to get just because you have to find a Rivulus nerd to get them. And there's not a whole lot of those around. But they're a pretty one. It looks like Franz Vermulian, is that how you say his name, um, has some. Wow, is this Christie? I don't know if that's Christie, but yeah. Um, I would say the American Killifish Association would be your best bet. Um, if you're going to the Triple Crown, actually Quadruple Crown event in Louisville, Kentucky, this June or July? July, I believe. Um, the American Killifish Convention will be there. And if you can't find them there, you can't find them anywhere. Well, they might not be there in person, but someone there is keeping them. Crown Tail Half Moon. Oh, telling folks to type out dance fish. Yes, that helps a, a lot. Male cribs are a great example of a spade tail. Thank you, Paul. I'll never forget that again. Okay. <laughs> Chevy Fish. I say liar for liar. <laughs> As in the instrument, leer. Yeah. Liar, leer. Yeah. Right? It's Pan from Greek mythology. Playing his lyre. Or wait, was that a flute? Nah, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna tangent this. Luigi is better. I know that uh, candy root catfish are illegal to keep, but do you know of any catfish in the family that aren't blood-sucking parasites are illegal to keep? Or are legal to keep? I don't know that much about that family, to tell you the truth. Um, the person to ask might be... Um, Dr. Anthony from um, Amazon Research Center has a YouTube channel and has been doing a lot of live streams lately so if you check out the Amazon Research Channel on YouTube that might be a good question to ask him on the next uh, live stream pretty cool live streams too a, a guy that you know a professor that teaches ecology of Amazon fishes for a living um, doing live streams so that's pretty cool Xanadudu, I have long tail endlers from Lucas and James. They throw some normal tails and some other guppy colors. And yes, they're worse than rabbits. Okay. Hope that helps, Lady Diane. Thanks for chiming in, Xanadudu, with your experience. 
Johnsworth. Um, in a 150-gallon tank, how many gobies are too many gobies? I have a fever. The only cure is more cowbell. I mean gobies. <laughs> but I already have six. Well, it depends on the species. If we're talking massive sleeper gobies, that's one thing. If we're talking like rhinogobius or um, Cichiopteris or anything... I mean, I've kept 80 stiffodons happy and healthy in a 40-gallon breeder. Again, you know, 40% water changes a day and lots of pipes and stuff and broadleaf stuff for them to chew on, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, they were colored up, healthy, happy, no signs of trauma. So 150-gallon, you could do a lot. Now, it's... But, it's also about aesthetics too though, right? Like maybe you can cram 500 gobies in there. I'm just making a number up. Don't quote me on that. Um, but maybe that would look horrible. They'd be everywhere. Maybe you want a little negative space in a tank. So I don't know. But six, if these are a smaller species, um, I don't know, in a 150 gallon tank, I'd start with 25 and see how I felt after that. All right. Hang on, chat jumped again. I'm, I'm working my way, working my way. Sorry folks, just scrolling up to try to find. The next one I can see is Crowntail Half Moon, who says, uh, Methylene Blue have an expiration date. Besides fungal, what other benefits can Methylene Blue provide? So, I don't know if it has an expiration date. I've used some uh, super old Methylene Blue before and it worked just fine for me. Um, so methylene blue is an oxidizer. Other oxidizers you might be familiar with are hydrogen peroxide, bleach, um, things like that. And what they are, basically, is elements that contain um, unhappy oxygen in them. And that unhappy oxygen wants to bond to other, other atoms, molecules, uh, so it becomes happy and stable. And so oxidizers go into a system and they look for things molecules that they can steal and pull into themselves so they can become stable and happy and when they do that they sterilize things because if you're a bacteria these oxidizers are going to surround you and pull molecules off you so that they're happy but you're destroyed that's how these oxidizers work so methylene blue works like that um it um now, I'm not a chemist, so this is layman's knowledge. Now, a chemist could come on and be like, uh, Dan, you have this all wrong, but my understanding is methylene blue is an oxidizer, and that's how oxidizers work. So, what it will do if you're using it to help sterilize a batch of fish eggs is it's going to any fungus or bacteria or other things like that in that system, they will go and start pulling molecules off them and, and kill those things. That's how it sterilizes things. Now the membrane on an egg is tough enough or resistant enough that the methylene blue is not going to eat its way through and, and hurt the egg. So it'll kill the bacteria and fungus on the surface of the egg, but not kill the egg itself. Maybe there are some fish species that it would damage the egg. I have not encountered them yet. And I've bred a lot of fish and I use methylene blue on several. I'm not saying it's been thousands or anything, but on lots. So. The benefits are it sterilizes, it, it also um, 
in, increases the oxygen concentration in the water, so it raises oxygen concentration. Um, I have read, I've not tried it, but I've read that it can really help with fish that are experiencing ammonia poisoning. Um, again, you know, double check that, but there's, there's research out there. Um, and when I say research, I mean actual like scholarly papers on, on some of this stuff. And um, the other thing that's neat with a clutch of eggs is if a, an egg is infertile, it will penetrate the cell wall and it will go into the egg and turn it this, you know, color. So you can easily see the infertile eggs and pull them out. So that's, that's the basic benefits as I understand them. Again, not a chemist. Toad Tamer, it has been a minute. It made my day that you remembered me. Is Dr. Tim's the same as, as Tim Miller Morgan? No, different Dr. Tim. So a completely different guy. I finally made my way cross country to try to get into his aquarium science program. That's awesome, Toad Tamer. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, when you graduate, hit me up. We're hiring frequently here at Dance Fish as we grow. Leo 209 Aquatics, what's a good number of Leopoldi angelfish to get and how's the temperament on them? So I think I already talked about this, but um, personally, I would get a group of six to eight. Again, I'm new to this fish, but just from what I, I've observed, six to eight, that would help spread out any aggression, and it would help ensure that you end up with at least one or maybe two pairs at the end of all this. Um, so I think that would be enough. Now, I don't know if they're more aggressive than standard angelfish or not. I know Bob Steenfock kept a group of them long-term. I believe it was in a 40-gallon breeder. If you look at Bob Steenfott's uh, channel uh, from a couple years ago, you'll see some videos on his Leopoldi angelfish and how he kept them. There was another gentleman that had them too. Was it Charles or Charlie? He was a college student and he was making videos for a little while. I think I got have the name wrong. And he has some Leopoldi angels too. But I saw both of them keep groups of, I think Steenfot had six or eight, if I remember right, um, in aquariums together without any problems long term. So, so I'm just going off that. I, I don't have any real experience with trying three or trying four, or, you know, trying a pair or whatever. But six to eight tends to be a pretty good number for fish that are, I guess you could call them semi-aggressive maybe, yeah, of that kind. If anyone here has um, more experience with Leopoldi angelfish than I do, would you chime in and help us out here um, so that uh, Leo has some, some more knowledge to draw from? Because I'm just guessing and basing it on what I've seen other people do. Five more minutes, we can do this. Eric Convoy, can an air pump create too many bubbles that build up on the surface? I don't know if an air pump could do that, but what can happen is you can get um, like a film on the surface, a, a film of lipids or proteins that kind of build up on the surface, and that can trap air. Anytime I've seen like really fine bubbles accumulating on the surface, it's been because I'm doing too heavy of a water change. And the water I'm putting in there is not stable. So you're putting water in the tank that is not, if you're seeing this like after a water change, it's fairly normal because the water you're putting in if it's not aged and gassed off, um, that will happen in the aquarium. And in that process of gassing off, it'll form all these tiny little bubbles that will accumulate at the surface. 
So anytime I've seen that, um, it's water changes and or I have some uh, like a, a film on the surface that's built up. Iron Nelson, it's a plant. Yes, now I know dragon feathers are a plant. <laughs> I thought it was a typo and you're talking about, or parrot feathers, sorry. Uh, I thought you were talking about parrot cichlid. Yeah, everyone knows but me, apparently. Marie Z, um, Dan, parrot feather is a plant. <laughs> All right, it is 827, so we're going to get to our giveaway. This is for at least a pair of really nice panda guppies. We've had these for a long time. They're doing really well. They're nice fat ones, um, and they're cute as a button. And the winner is Liam, Liam O'Connell. Liam O'Connell, you have won a pair of panda guppies. Maybe, maybe more, we'll see, but at least a pair. You have two minutes to chime in and let us know you're here because you do have to be present to win. Otherwise, it's a huge letdown when the person that won the raffle isn't even there, right? We've all been there and seen that event. And while we're waiting for you, Liam, um, I'm going to try to get one more here. Tengri, can Epistos go together with Kerbinzas or with other Epistos? Yes and no. Um, I've seen that work in some situations, and I've seen it not work so well in others. So I'd have a plan B ready. Uh, depends on the tank, depends on the setup, depends on the Episto, depends on the crib. There's different species with different levels of aggression. Um, some of them pair off and have a tight pair bond and only need a little corner of the tank. Others form big harems and one male will have like 20 females around him and he'll defend the whole tank against all comers. So it depends on which species and, um, and, and what their society is like, I guess, for lack of a better term. Are we here? There he is. Hey, Liam O'Connell, would you please send us an email with your first name, last name, and mailing address to hello, H-E-L-L-O, at dancefish.com. Hello at dancefish.com, and um, we'll get your shipping squared away with you. Congratulations. All right, we have one minute. Let's try to do one more. Anthony Brown, in your walkthrough video, you said you're pulling water from a river. What type of filter system, and does it strip out minerals in the water? Oh, Anthony, that's going to take a long time to answer. So I would recommend you look at another video, which I will link here for you real quick, that shows the entire filter system. Let me try to find it real quick. Okay, I believe this one does. If this one doesn't, then on the channel, if you look at some of the others, um, we've been doing like a monthly update on the build and touring what we have and explaining the system and all that. I believe the link I just gave you shows the filter system pretty in depth, but if it doesn't, then check the video before the video before that um, and you'll see the whole filter system. Does it strip out the minerals in the water? No, no, we want the minerals. We would, we would like to have some hardness in our water to help fish. We, we have really soft water right now in our facility and it's good for some things but soft water is hard water is less stressful for fish and when you're importing fish all the time if you can have hard water it's actually beneficial it, it helps them in lots of ways lots of electrolytes helps them with osmoregulation 
Um, it's just a good little tonic for them. So soft water fish do great in hard water and hard water fish do great in hard water, but hard water fish do not do well in soft water. So it'll help us expand the number of species we can keep. The one thing we are doing is, um, is playing with the calcium carbonate a bit. We're not taking it out of the system, but we're altering it so it doesn't create a lime scale in the system. But no, we, we actually would like to keep the minerals. Now, we also have, we have two water sources in the warehouse. The one from the river has, has mineral rich water. And then the other source, the city source, the municipal source is the same as we're using here. Very little hardness, three grains, two to three grains DGH, um, which is like nothing, maybe 12 PPM, 12 to 15 PPM, let's say. Um, no, I think the high end, 12 to 20 PPM, really, really low carbon hardness, very soft, very nice water, but you know, guppies struggle in it. Some of the other live bears struggle in it. We can't keep any rift lake cichlids. Well, we could, but it's not the water that they would like. So we, we kind of want to have the, the minerals. And, um, and since we have two water sources in that warehouse, the, 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 the possibilities are endless. All right, with that, we are going to close it down. You're welcome, Lady Diane. Thank you for being here. Um, we'd like to start by thanking our moderators for being here and doing what they do every week. Sincerely appreciate each and every one of you for helping make this stream work. Thanks to everyone that threw money at us. Super chats are always appreciated. They're never required, but it's awful nice when money falls out of the computer screen and helps our little startup business um, you know, be the engine that could. Um, thanks to everyone that left a question or comment making this discussion more lively. It's always helpful when people ask things and say things so we have a discussion going instead of me just trying to fill an hour and a half, which I've done before, but it's not as fun. <laughs> and if you're lurking, well, hail the Lurker Nation. If you're watching on the replay, thanks for being here. Hello from the future? <laughs> And if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. Thanks to Michael Melier for making that happen. Uh, we'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I forgot to ask again if Punchy Paints is going next. Uh, yes, Pam is next. So in half an hour-ish, Punchy Paints will go in next. If you want more uh, fish fam chat goodness and uh, some cool artwork, then check out Punchy Paints. With that, we're going to sign off. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Um,